This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Homestead Radio. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm your host for tonight's show. After seven games without a victory, a Palace side boosted by the return of key players comfortably outplayed and outfought Huddersfield to win 2-0. Goals from James Tompkins and Luka Milivojevic went unanswered in an impressively professional display. Give me the panel introduction in just a moment, but you can contact us tonight by going to holradio.net forward slash contact. We'll be back with our full analysis in just a moment. reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia, homophobia doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proud and Palace. Right, we are then. First and foremost, we have Mr. Patrick O'Connor. Good afternoon. Good evening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a while since you've been on, Patrick. You only really grace us once a month now, but you're looking forward to this one. Absolutely, can't wait. Exactly, it's a win. We also have, it's supposed to be here last week, didn't quite make it, but this week he is here, it's Mr Ed Calloway. Good evening, you all right? I'm all right, yeah, you? Yeah, very good, feel better discussing a win for once. Yeah, exactly, you kind of kind of ducked out of last week, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Not even going to elaborate. A communication, a communication it, error. Yeah, it was It was a communication error. We'll accept that and, uh, and obviously Busy blame man producer sam because she is i'm not here to defend herself quite frankly sam, i'm good with that absolutely and in a, a late change uh nick gillard who's done an awful lot of work over the last couple of weeks and has annoyed his significant other uh, he's taken a step back to allow our northern correspondent it's mr elliot hutchins now then now then i'll see i'll see there <laughs> all right how's he how's he doing <laughs> we're gonna shed Lots and lots of northern-based listeners, if if that carries on. But, Elliot, thank you for joining us first and foremost in your sort of freelance capacity of you know once or twice a season every or sometimes we go three or four years without speaking. So you know sometimes, yeah, I enjoy it. It's great. <laughs> yeah. But um, you you want to share a little uh, little story with us first? Yeah, yeah. I just um, I went to Huddersfield match yesterday, um, and I took my son um, to his first ever match. So, um, I've, you know, he's been sort of following the Liverpool 
path, I think, recently. Mm. So I've wanted him to, to guide him more back on the red and blue path a little bit and to get him to experience an away game. And what an atmosphere that was mm. for his first game. Um, he was just a little bit cold. But yeah, yeah and he, he came out after the game, just stood there, shook, threw his arms in the air and went, that was incredible. There we so, go. yeah, he, I think he just really enjoyed it. It was just really cold, that's all. Yeah, what do you think? Is he is, not, is he now back to being Palace or is it still a, a, a battle? I think it's. I think he's a lot more Palace than he was, but I think it's still a bit of a battle. Um, he needs a Palace shirt, I think. That's it. So, well, keep keep going, mate. Don't ever give up. Uh, don't never. ever accept anything other than Palace. Or, never. Um, you know, or the, obviously the only real um, resolution to that, if he doesn't accept Palace, is to kick him out no matter what age he is. Yeah. I might have um, to. I'm afraid. So, <laughs> you know, just, you know, he's six years old. He's got to fend for himself if he's going to make choices like that, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. You know, you live, you learn. <laughs> right. Anyway, I don't have kids. Does that does that come through at all with my... Anyway. No, um, not at all. No. Yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, just a couple of little uh, bits of admin before we get going. Um, obviously, we've been doing the Love Sport radio show done a couple of weeks now. First week was myself and Albert. Last week was Nick and Albert. Really enjoying that. And um, hopefully that will continue to grow and continue to be fun. Um, I know the, the, the chaps and chapesses over at Love Sport have been very happy as well. Uh, so we're really enjoying that. So if you haven't heard it yet and you, you are so inclined, do join us. We do stick the podcast on our feed at the moment, but also good to listen live and get involved uh, on a Thursday night, 7 till 9. Um, we'll be doing that up until the end of the season and see where we go after that. Um, but yeah, I say a lot of fun. And uh, similarly, I just want to give a quick shout out to everyone who made that trip, particularly those who had to travel vast distances to Huddersfield. It was really, really good to hear a proper Palace atmosphere coming through again, uh, particularly when a lot of attention goes on Huddersfield about their crowd. And we've been talking about the dwindling atmosphere amongst Palace fans of late. And uh, that was a welcome return to form. And, uh, you know, I think that obviously was a contributing factor in the victory as well. Uh, and But I think... The most important thing I want to talk about before we get into the um, into the game is the performance. And it's a bit self-indulgent, I'll be honest, uh, but those of you who follow myself and, uh, and uh, Nav on Twitter, if you know Nav is tweeting, he was Nav is tweeting, he's now Nav is a deluded, paranoid embarrassment, isn't he, on Twitter? <laughs> Uh, which is that you know, he indeed is, by the way. Yeah, he is definitely that as well. Yeah, <laughs> but Nav and I uh, regularly have a have a meet up for lunch when he's working in Crawley, and I'm and I'm in Crawley, not rather than Reading, where I'm usually based. And um, he's been keeping a, an eye on the stats of how how we perform, as in Palace perform, after he and I meet up and have specific items from our uh, our favourite Sri Lankan restaurants. So when we do meet up and eat, we've we've had. I'm actually he's actually played sixteen. Won 13 games, drawn two, lost one, which wow. is a pretty impressive record. But we go further than that when he has had mutton rolls to start with a dish called chicken chucker, and <laughs> I and I have had mutton rolls to start with a dish called chili chicken, mm-hmm. uh, and I order a diet Pepsi. We have a 100 percent win record, <laughs> um, and I think it's at least I think at least six or seven games, if not more, that that is as well. You so should be having that every week, mate. Every week. Yeah. What's I mean, we we have sent that to you know to the club <laughs> and said <laughs> it's, about, it's about time we started financing this because it, it's not always convenient for us. We've you know both very busy people, um, but it's it's just it's undeniable that we are responsible for if we if we stay up, it's going to be me and Nav who take all the credit and That's rightly so, don't you think, guys? 
keep it up, please. Yeah, absolutely incredible, incredible. The power of the mutton roll. <laughs> well, exactly. Anyone who does live in and around the Crawley area, it's they're, they're called Dosa Club. They're in the Langley Green area. And you won't think that you want to go in there when you see the outside, but beautiful food. I recommend it highly. <laughs> but, you know, I'd rather it was my own little secret, to be honest with you, to actually keep away. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, after that little bit of self-indulgence, let's get into talking about the game. Obviously, a 2-0 victory, an incredibly solid and professional performance. It was so welcome, and you kind of saw it coming from the first minute. Uh, we went out on the front foot and looked to dominate. And what was really pleasing is we were so up for the physical battle. You know, they, you know, they, they put in a tough challenge. We put in a tough challenge. And it was after being kicked off the park against uh, against them at, at Sellers with under Frank De Boer, it really was noticeable how we took a totally different approach under our current manager Roy Hodgson, and and how much better that was, and how much smarter it was the way we played. Um, yeah. So let's let's have a little chat about the lineup. So, as I understand it, we may have well have seen um, Alexander Solov start that game instead of Christian Benteke, um, were it not for a late injury to to Solov on the Thursday. He was doing a lot of the media stuff you'd have noticed, sort of in and around the game. But uh, what was really pleasing was to have uh, Mamasako back. And, and I want to start there, and I'm going to go to you first of all, Patrick. I mean, lots of people, and we'll come to it, will be talking about the performance of James Tompkins in that game. But how much of a difference did it make having Sacco back alongside him? It's definitely huge for me. Um, I just I just find personally, when he's in the back four, he just seems to me uh, just calm the entire uh, defence, including the goalkeeper. He's a, I think he's a very good communicator, Um He's just, uh, you know, just a solid play. The only thing, uh, you know, we also play half the field when he's on the pitch, which I really like. The only concern with him is that, um, you know, he has a, he's a little self-indulgent sometime on the ball. And yesterday, for instance, we almost gave up a goal. We actually came back and made a great tackle to save himself. But just in general, I think Sacco is a tremendous, you know, in the back. And I just want to throw a stat for you, Chris, that I saw on Twitter today from a gentleman named Howie House. He's a Daily Star reporter. He said, Tom and Sacco have played eight games together. In those eight matches, we conceded only four goals. We've had kept five clean sheets. Wow. So it speaks wow. to the power of that. That partnership to me is just second to none. And we'll talk about Thompson later on, but I just want to say Sacco for me has been just, he's just, he's a, he's a season changer player for me. He really is. Well, absolutely. And, and Elliot, he made a, a huge impact when he joined us. And obviously, Evan missed him for three months. And he took a bit of criticism of people because, a lot, as I said last week, there's been a bit of misunderstanding around why he was out with his injury. And um, people sort of hearing the first part and not hearing the second. But now he's fully fit and he's alongside Tompkins. Again, you know, we, we will talk about Tompkins, who had a sensational game. But, you know, for, for you, is you, you, you're that much more confident watching Palace when you've got Mamasako at the back? Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I saw a lot of this stuff around as well about saying, oh, this is a bit dodgy. I even saw people going, I don't think he's going to play again. Um, you know, I don't think he wants to, but there was certainly misunderstanding there. And he was fully committed yesterday. The guy is a tank. He's him and Tompkins together are amazing. And that, I mean, I know he, he messed up, but that saving tackle he did was incredible. Um, and yeah, I just, he's so much, he's so reassuring when those two are in defence. Sure. And Ed, Ed, Sacco to me strikes me as, when you look at someone like Martin Kelly who's filling in, you know, Kelly did a, a pretty good job more often than not. You know, he's, he's a he's a decent, solid defender. But Sacco is an aggressive defender. Um, do you think that's a fair comment? Does that change? You know, does that complement maybe Tompkins a bit more? I think it does, yeah. I mean, Kelly did do well, but 
when you see Sacco come back like he did yesterday, you just see sort of the difference in class. And he does, like we said, just sort of brings that back four together and we're so much more solid when he's in it. And I know he does have a mistake in him, like Patrick said, where he's had to come back and make a really good challenge. But he's, I mean, he's, he's just brilliant. If he didn't have that, you know, Liverpool never would have sold him and he'd be a, you know, easily be a top four, top six club if he didn't have that little, you know, occasional lapse in him, which is why he's, we're able to get him playing for Crystal Palace. But yeah, he's just, you know, he makes such a difference to us. And those two, if we can keep the two of them fit at centre-half for the last seven games of the season, then it's going to make a massive difference in terms of ensuring we're... Yeah, he really did as... as, as as Patrick was indicating, it sort of protects the keeper as, as well, which is really pleasing. But the other thing is when you look at the way the whole back four is performing, and let, let's talk uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka oh, again, you know. What, um, you know, uh, well, go on, you, you jump in, Elliot. In, in Elliot. Another another sterling performance from him. He is, he is incredible, isn't he? He's absolutely incredible. I just watched him and he's strong, he's quick. It's like watching a, a young Wolf Sahar. And I think in some ways, it's for an academy product coming through. It's even more impressive than when Will first came through because that was in the championship. This is the premiership, and not just that. It's Tottenham, Man United, Chelsea, Huddersfield, and the prem in the Premier League. And he just looks so at home. He's incredible. Absolutely love him, Patrick. Yeah, and I'm not back my own drum for a bit, Chris. I've been banging on for for for, for years now on the show about playing younger players, and Wambasaka is a perfect example of what I've been talking about. I mean, obviously it came through because of injuries, but I've always believed that, you know, if players are good enough, you should give them a chance. Well, I think we've got other players in our academy that are good, but Wambasaka has been so good. His tackling has been incredible. His slight tackling. I know I watched yesterday um, the interview that Tompkins did, I guess on Thursday or Friday, about talking about the, the match, P-match, and he talked about how he's worked with uh, Wambasaka and helping him with positioning because he thinks that's the only thing that really that's hurting him. And I just think that if when that comes, his positioning defensively, you could tell going forward he's become such a better player. Even yesterday, he put on a great cross that we almost scored on MacArthur. I mean, confidence is just growing. And I just think that if we can just see him come through as we've seen and other players come through, it's going to really just lift you know, lift our club in general. Yeah, definitely. You know, players have got to see that way through to the first team. From Absolutely. The you know. yep. uh, I, I, I saw um, Matt Woosom talking on the BBS. You, you know, he watches an awful lot. He does the Palace Youth Twitter account. Um, and he's, you know, he's actually been talking about Basaka for some time, um, but also sort of made the point that he, he still feels that Basaka came through in spite of rather than because of our youth system, which, you know, gets a view and, and one I respect. Um, but again, at the same time, I do like to think that, you know, kind of what, what you're going with, that you have to sometimes get forced into giving people an opportunity and, and just see, see if they sink or swim. And it's so reminiscent of Klein. I know Elliot <laughs> compared the impact, to, you know, in terms of how ready he was to, to Zaha. But obviously, you know, we got, we got, you know, Basaka's twenty, you know, so he's, he's had a bit of a longer wait uh, than, than Zaha did have, but it's a similar. You know, I think Klein was eighteen, but obviously at a different level. But to walk into to Premier League football and to to play the way he has for four games, and of course he's going to have dips in form. But you know, Ed, I don't get your views on this, but one of the things that really pleased me, we've been talking for a while about how in the Premier League you need a full-back who can contribute in attack as well as defence and has that engine to go you know, all the way up and down the pitch for 90 minutes. We've suddenly got one without having to spend the money. We've got I know. Two. And I, I think with Wemba Saka, from what I've read about him, he was a winger until 
not that long ago is what he started out as yeah. a winger. So going forward, he'll give us, you know, a dimension that perhaps Ward and Fossumenti to an extent couldn't. And it's not just that he's done great in coming in Wambasaka, but the teams he's had to come in against have been, you know, <laughs> by yesterday, the three games prior to that, you know, Spurs, United, Chelsea, top, top teams. And it's not like sometimes you get youth players brought in when, you know, say we're six games to the end of the season, we're all on 40-odd points, we're safe. You know, he's come in and we're in the middle of, you know, a relegation battle in some pretty high-pressure games. And he's just looked completely at home. Yeah, yeah, he has. He has. You're right. Potentially in the summer, we might have had to spend ten, fifteen million pounds on, you know, Fosu Mensah on a permanent or another right back. You know, if we're not keeping hold of Ward, hmm. now we don't. I don't think we need to spend that. Now we've we've got a homegrown player that we can develop. It's already looking very promising, and that's ten or fifteen million quid that can go somewhere else into the team. Absolutely right. It's um, you know that's that's the real importance of having a, a, a strong youth system. Uh, I've got a couple of comments coming in from Facebook that I'll come to in just a moment. But just before, Elliot, you want to jump in first? Elliot's still on mute. Let's see when he notices. No, he's gone. He's gone. Unbelievable! Oh, unbelievable scenes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <A> short cameo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Take it easy, mate. Oh, you know what? Might be back. Elliot, are you going to speak to me? I am going to speak to you. Sorry about that. That's all right. I um yeah I accidentally ended the call um no I've just seen on Twitter I've seen a lot of Huddersfield fans talking about him obviously they they didn't know who he was but they're saying that he's an absolute mountain like the guy is in, it, like is incredible there's just compliments coming left right and centre for him after four games I'm so I'm so proud of our academy as well um and you know hopefully there's more to come with this yeah. as well like, I mean obviously you've, you've got to give so much credit to the to the lad himself he's waited for his chance. Yeah. Uh, obviously, he's put the work in in training to, to give the management the confidence to put him in there because they have been reluctant to to play young players. And um, yeah, it's 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 a real huge positive of this season, no matter what happens. Uh, Neil Koska got in touch. He's talking about PVA being a great form. We'll come to that in just a second. But uh, that Wambasaka is a revelation, and also agreeing with us that Tompkins is immense and Sacco is the final piece. Uh, Simon Pizzi was talking about um. um I think this looks like we don't play to his strength. I'm trying to work out which who he is in that <laughs> in that discussion. It might be might well be Benteke. We not play to his strength if Benteke has been on the end of a Wambasaka cross and not Maka. He would have scored. I get that point. They're obviously talking about Benteke again there, and you're talking about that cross. That was a wonderful moment of skill from Wambasaka because it's again late on in the game. Yeah, and he has the awareness yeah. when he's been put through just to touch the ball around a defender, leaving absolutely <laughs> flailing. <laughs> And it's yeah. also, you know, for people who are saying he can't cross from watching him for one game, you, know, <laughs> exactly. you suddenly see he's able to just take absolutely. that little step and chip in a, a glorious little ball. And it's, yeah, and it's absolutely true. You know, obviously MacArthur's not to know, but if he just leaves that, the chances are that Benteke comes over the defender uh, and heads that in. But um, but who cares, you know, was, we still won the game and it was a, it was a lovely piece of play. Uh, Linda Drew also got in touch saying that Basaka has just made the grade. Uh, and another bit from Neil Costco, actually, which I really like, is uh, Wan Bissaka is the right back we hoped Fosu Mensah promised to be, and he'd take Bissaka over him every day. Well, and it's nice to see Hodgson taking that view as well that Bissaka's got the shirt and someone's got to take it off him. Patrick, and the added benefit, Chris, he got caught up to England under twenties also, which is amazing. Going from an academy to under twenties in, in the space of a month, yeah, amazing. If... When you give a kid, a, you give a, kid a chance, what happens, right? 
Exactly. Yeah, he played for the DR Congo under twenties, didn't he? A, Yes, exactly. Yeah, and it was against the England under seventeens, and I believe Jason Lokilio also played in that game for for Congo before. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and so they obviously gave players an opportunity at international level there. But it just goes to show you, all of a sudden, he just comes <laughs> out of nowhere. And I love the yeah. story. There's a story. I think it, was, it might have been in. I don't know. I read it online anyway. I can't remember where it was exactly. But he found Basako found out walking into training, just sort of like someone told him. He's like, "Oh wow, well, <laughs> okay." <laughs> you know, all of a wow. sudden he's in the. Uh, England under twenty squad, uh, and that's you know that's great. And you know, of course, if he carries on playing to this level, he you know he will rapidly rise through uh, through the ranks as well. But so promising for us, and like I say, he, he's got everything that we were talking about, what we wanted in um, in the modern day fullback. And wow, you know, absolutely, it feels like when Klein, Klein first came through as well. Yeah, it really does. It, it does, you know. But it's, if if anything, and I'm, this is not to. You know, Klein is an incredible footballer and his one-on-one defending is probably, back then, was probably stronger than Bissaka's is right now. But then Klein came through as a right-back. If you look at the, the instincts that Bissaka has, you know, a player can get past him easier than they can get past Klein. But the recovery is yeah. so strong that yeah. you, you're never really past him. That's the thing. You know, you, you, you can never be sure. And he's just not f- afraid, so... Well, we could talk about him all day. We're really good, I think. But um, let's talk about the other side, the difference we've found in Patrick van Arnholt. You know, a player much maligned, particularly by myself, for his wandering. Um, but all of a sudden, he's a he's a confident player. He's contributing fantastically to the attack. And those little defensive lapses, well, Ed, they've lessened, haven't they? Like, he's looking more of the, a, a proper fullback now. He is. I think we're seeing the, the fullback that... You know, Allardyce had previously at, when he was very good at Sunderland and why he wanted to bring him to the club when he first joined us. Um, like you say, yeah, the defensive lapses have wandered a bit, whether that's who he's, because of who he's playing alongside. You know, Tompkins is obviously in very good form and stuff and Saka coming back in will help him in terms of someone who organises that back four and tells people where they need to be. But going forward, he's, you know, he's, as we've had, Discuss. We've felt on the other side. Ward and uh, people have been limited going forward. Van Anhart will, you know, is a yeah is another one who could yeah could easily play him on the left wing. He's very comfortable on the ball going forward. He's quick. Seems to be developing a nice little uh, sort of combination with Wilf down that left hand side um, and down that left playing with Wilf. He will get a bit of space because teams will quite often sort of double up on Zaha and allows um, PVA to get on the overlap and. Get some balls into the box. Yeah, and he's definitely he's spot on there, and that's that's what he's taking advantage of, which is great to see. And, and Patrick, you know, we didn't mention it on the other side that Bissaka's already starting to link up really well with Townsend, but that link up either side can only you know benefit the team, particularly if we're we're having to play counter attack. Absolutely, I mean, even yesterday you saw our strongest play was on our counter attack, and you're right, having uh, one Bissaka link up with uh, Townsend and obviously with uh, Wilf and um, PV on the other side, it, it makes us a, a much better team. And I think that, funny enough, Chris, that this change of formation from a 4-4-2 when um, Shop got into the 4-3-3 kind of helped us out too. So I think the formation thing that, that he's twist uh, playing around with, Hodges working out well, especially yesterday. Yeah, and you, you must be psychic because I was just about to come I to am. the point of that change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we had Jeff Slup. Uh, playing weirdly central, wasn't he? Uh, for quite a lot of it, I yeah. think when, whenever Wilf yeah. drifted left, he was encouraged to get into the middle. And um, 
you know, again, when you when you looked at that, it was more of a four four two with Schlupp wide and, and Wilf buzzing around Benteke. But you know, again, it was it seemed to be quite fluid to move into a four three three before it was actually forced to become one, which was was interesting. Sorry, Patrick, you jump back in there. And I'll, I'll yeah, sorry, not to be negative, but that's the one thing about Hudson that frustrates me. He made the sub because he had to because Schlupp got hurt. But to me, the four three three yesterday, because Schlupp doesn't really feel comfortable or look comfortable in the middle. Obviously, Kabai is very natural in the middle. So I, it's yeah. funny that, that that injury actually forced us to be actually play to me to our strength more than, than not. And I just get – I'm a little worried about that with, with the Hodgson. He doesn't really make the subs tactically quick enough for me. He makes them more when he's forced to. I mean, he worked out yesterday, which is great. But I wish I would, he'd kind of see things a little bit quicker because I, I think we kind of saw that Schlupp really wasn't suited for central. We know why he played there because you know, obviously um, Kabai was coming off an injury and also um, lost his cheeks and he couldn't start. But again, it didn't – we were, you know, we kind of we put them on the back foot a little bit in the beginning, but I felt that as soon as Kabai came in, we were so much better. You know, Absolutely. Lucas screening the back four, etc., and McCarthy all over the place, and we were just better with with Kabai in the middle than when Schlupp was there. And nothing against Schlupp, obviously, just a formation no. that really worked for us yesterday. Yeah, and Elliot, Elliot, you know, you know, when Kabai comes on, but that performance from him was almost vintage, wasn't it? It was, it was. you know, particularly towards the end where he's, he's had you know a couple of shots in quick succession, maybe three chances, and the one where he's sort of knock the ball back over his head and half volleyed it and he's nearly scored. <laughs> it was like the player we uh, we bought from Newcastle, suppose. Well, sorry, the player we bought from PSG. It was, you know, that was the the guy we were expecting. Yeah, that I I love that man. He's he he is a beautiful man, and a he's just his football is some sometimes it's just impeccable. And that shot was like it was just a touch of genius. I'm I'm gutted it didn't go in for him to be honest, because that would have just been the cherry on top for the game. But he just when he came on, we just looked like so, so much better because I felt a little bit like um, Huddersfield was so bad uh, uh, the, for that first twenty twenty five minutes or whatever until we scored, and then um, uh, when uh, after we scored, we kind of I don't I don't really know what happened, and then Schlupp got injured and Kamai came on and we just looked so much better for it, and I think he just he just brings um, he brings that sort of that touch of class, you know. Yeah, I, I, I know exactly what you mean, and that's it. Does sometimes get missed in, in the tough games where he's, you know, he's got less time and less opportunity to to sort of play those that sort of classy ball or have that kind of long range shot or whatever. And he has to do just the the sort of the basics. And I think people, well, I would just say that that's kind of his Palace career. Really, I think he, he's had to do more of the basics than perhaps we would have liked to see. Um, that's the way I would sum it up. But it was great to see him on form uh, yesterday, and maybe that, that enforced break has done him good. Ed, I'm just going to play a bit of a well, ask a mischief, mischievous question. Would we have gone on to win had Slup not been forced off the pitch? Uh, I think we would have. I think we still started well enough. I know Slup got injured quite early, but I think we we would have. I mean, I looked at our our starting lineup and their starting lineup. Before the game, and obviously I'm a Palace fan, so I'm pessimistic. But I was, I looked at that and just thought, we've got to be able to beat. Like if you look at our team and their team, is we should be beating them, you know, every day of the week. But I, I met we were obviously a lot better when Kabai came on, and I think ideally we would. Where Schlupp started, I think Kabai or Loftus Cheek would probably start. But I think Hodgson's gone with Schlupp there just because I think he was mindful of how many players we had coming back into the team from injuries. If you 
played all of them, then you've got four or five that are back into the team off the back of an injury. You know, other, is the team going to struggle if, you know, nearly half of them are coming back off long layouts? So he went with someone who had already had 90 minutes under his belt against Chelsea the week before in that space. But I think yeah. we still would have won because we, we just looked up for it. We looked bang at it from the word go. Uh, Patrick, um, jump in. Uh, Great question, Chris, and I, I kind of agree with Ed on that. But I have a question, kind of similar. Would we want if we have started Soloff had been uh, had been able to play over Grand Teca yesterday? You think? Good question, and uh, that's exactly where we're going to go next when we talk about Benteke's performance. But uh, I suppose, yeah, I'm going to do the politician duck answering that question until we've had a chat about Benteke, and I've got an idea of how everyone thinks. Uh, just to address some of the comments on Facebook, I just jumped on to have a quick look. Uh, Linda Drew praising. Um, James MacArthur, the engine that he's got. I really noticed that uh, reviewing the game. I sort of I watched it back in full, and um, he was still popping up on. You know, one minute he was running, that sprinting down the right wing, and about five seconds later he seems to be sprinting down the left wing, all over the pitch yesterday, and, and back to his very very best by the looks of things. I'm not sure who the he's got telescopic legs is, but I think that's about Aaron Wambazaka. If you think about the way he uh, he comes be, back yeah. and, tell, and tackles, yeah. that's absolutely right. That's from Glenn Fossey there. Uh, Nathan Giles, any news on my mug, Hambo? Yeah, it's still nestled. I can physically see it. Um, <laughs> still here. It's only been a couple of years. I, 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 it's a risk, isn't it? Because you know, if Kabai doesn't sign another contract, yeah, I suppose it's fitting either way, isn't it? You can either celebrate him signing another contract with a lovely cup of tea from a Kabai mug, or you can kind of <laughs> wistfully drink a cup of tea while, you know, waving him off to to his next chapter in his career. So maybe I'll uh, send I'm that out to you any, any moment. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, and Dan Schuber just said, saw Bissaka immerse him in the preseason game. Looks raw, but exciting. And that's a really good point that, that Dan's brought up there because... Pre-season, obviously, played at wing-back in that um, the Premier League tournament in Asia. And um, then, you know, then played a few games, uh, usually with a second string as well. And I think he's the, the how far developed he's gone just by training with the first team for the best part of a season. I think you've got to praise the coaching staff uh, as well as Pesaka for that because, Agree. you know, he's, he's yes. definitely a step stepped up. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
<clears throat> sorry, I was just I've just put what what I've done is I read all that contact and I was like, right, I finished with that contact and I went and put my iPad away. So now I don't know what the next conversation is. To my Benteke just now. <laughs> no, it's about, yeah, you're right. It's about Benteke, yeah. yeah. I just wanted to have a, have a quick question about Wilf, if that's all right. Go on then. Um, do you think that Wilf is be- better played down the left or the right or through the centre? My view on that personally is changing throughout the course of this season. Um, yeah. I've always said... I really, I, I ages ago, I really liked him on the right hand side, but that was when he was. I was just looking at him as a creator. Yeah, I thought he had, a, you know, he was having a better impact on the right. I when he started to have more of an influence in terms of having sh- having shots at goal, he certainly became a better player on the left. But through playing off, you know, as a forward this year. He started to develop, and you saw a bit of that with our second goal, which we'll do a bit some analysis of shortly. But it came from a point where he was, he was running on the left side of the pitch, but he came central to play, and, and he's got he's got a better range of passing. Than I think people realise he's, he's you know he's heads up when he runs these days, and he just picked the perfect pass and the perfect weight for Townsend to do what he did and win that penalty. So I'm starting to really see the influence. And again, in the mythical um, interview I did with Keith Millen at Christmas that. Well, didn't record properly. Let's just leave it at that. Um, I had a, quite a good chat with Keith about that, about that situation. And he and he was just talking about how important it is to get Zaha on the ball. But when you get him on the ball in central areas, it that uncertainty about who's supposed to pick him up and, you know, it drags people out of positions and all that kind of stuff. You can actually get, you can have more of an influence on the game, but he's got to get used to that position. Yeah. Yeah, was that was that good? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I just thought I'd, I just thought I'd ask because I've always sort of been of the same opinion as well. Um, that, that seeing him out on the right when he started, you know, his creation. I yesterday in in person that was the first time really that I'd seen him out on the left, and um, and you know through the centre. Uh, and I he, he was in he was just so effective. He's just the, I always felt like if he was on the left, he'd always have to cut in. Instead of like being able to, you know, run to the byline, get the cross in, but he's so much more than that. Like you say, his range of passing and oh, his creation, he's 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 just invaluable to this club. He's no, he's just yeah, he's just so important to us. Um, we are going to talk about Benteke just before we get into analysing a few of the key moments from the game. Uh, and Ed, you're going to help me with this, <laughs> so prepare yourself. <laughs> um, so I, I gave Benteke a bit of stick last week, and I'm one who usually. Usually is very supportive of him, but um, you know the, the more it's gone on with him not being a goal threat and you know questionable effort at times, you know I've started to get frustrated. But what I saw this week was a, a player who was reacting to being dropped by Belgium, was reacting to the fact that supposedly for most of this week it was quite obvious he wasn't going to be starting, and um, substituted at half time last week, um, and, and, and reacting as a player who you know, has, has now got competition for his place in the team. And, and I thought we saw a difference. We saw a change. And I thought he had a very good game. I thought, uh, other than, you know, the fact he didn't really have an opportunity to shoot at any point, and you could argue he could have made one had he been a bit more determined in certain situations. Um, I, I thought, as far as a forward goes, and, and what I, I, I like Mounier, who, who plays for Huddersfield, if I had to choose between the two on yesterday's performance, Benteke was, was miles ahead um, in terms of his all-round play. 
But what's your view? I think you're spot on with what you've said. I think that was one of his probably his best performance for a long time. He was probably only missing a goal on the end of it to cap it off. You know, I think we saw a more bit more urgency about him, a bit more energy. He was, you know, working hard up there. Some of his link up play and hold up play was very good at times. And I think like you said, being taken off against Chelsea, you know, if they've been playing with the you know, they they set up in training with the eleven that are going to play at the weekend to get the shape right. So he knows he's not in that until Solov picks up that injury. Yeah. And I think I've got that about the Belgian squad written down here on my pad that you know, Roberto Martinez, the Belgian manager, could well have done Palace a very big favour in dropping Benteke from that Belgium squad because whether you think that Benteke you know, cares about Palace or whether he's decided he's moving to China or this, that or the other, that there's all rumours been coming out. There's one thing that will be for sure, he will want to go and play in the World Cup in the summer. So he knows he's just been dropped from that Belgium squad. He's got seven games to put a shift in, start scoring a few goals and putting some performances um, for Palace to get back on, on you know, Martinez's squad and go to Russia. So that could, you know, what Martinez has done to drop him from that Belgium squad could you know, pay dividend for Palace in terms of giving him a, a bit of a kick up the arse that he might have needed. Yeah, this the same. Some, some performances, so. Yeah, there's some early, early signs that are, are pretty good. And uh, Patrick, you want to follow up on that? And there's a bit more to do as well. Yeah, I mean, we all know that he scored two goals in 25 matches, and that's just not good enough as a striker. I think Lotus ever scored as nine for Liverpool. But what he did yesterday, for instance, is what, what I, I, I look at. He's, again, leads our team, I believe, in assists, and he doesn't score enough goals. We all know that. But the performance put in yesterday helped us to win that match, plain and simple. I, I'm looking at the stats. He won 11 aerial challenges yesterday. He brought everyone up there to play. He held the ball up when a lot of times, if you notice, a lot of the kicks for, from Hennessy were way up in the air, straight to Benteke. Brought the ball down, looked for you know, a midfielder or a wide player to bring into play. So people want to c- complain about the goal. I understand that, and, and that's not going to change until he starts scoring, obviously. But we don't lack scoring goals, Chris. We've scored in you know, nine of our last 10 matches. Uh, beginning of the season, we scored nine of our first 21 matches. So we can score goals. It's just that our striker has to be more involved as far as bringing players into, in, other players in. You know, we're getting goals from Will, from Townsend, from PVA, from Luca. We're getting Tompkins scoring. So we're getting goals. It's just that we have to really have him play where he played yesterday and we'll be just fine. Mm-hmm. But again, the goals have dried up. We all get that. And it's, it's a, been a terrible season goal scoring. But I think the way he played yesterday is where we need to play the rest of the season. We'll be just uh, fine. Go, go on, Elliot. I think you want to jump in. Um. No, I just, no, I, I, I just, I just heard a noise. But, but well, let me let me let me set you up for something, a question then. So Dan Schubert just got in touch again, and uh, his comment. This is more balanced than usually what I read, to be honest with you. So, th- th- but this gives you an idea of what we're trying to address. So, Dan said that uh, Benteke relies on good crosses, and he said it's his only strength. His aerial, uh, he'd be more effective if he put himself about and forced errors. His flicks and knockdowns are okay, but if I'm being honest, Glenn Murray was probably better at doing this. Work rate is questionable, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, what did what? So was that the player you saw yesterday? Yeah, I'm. I feel like I'm going against the grain a little bit here. <laughs> um, I I think his hold up play is great. Um, and and you talk about you know that's that's the way we want him to play for the rest of the season. Um, certainly, you know the way he holds he holds the ball up, lays it off is great. I I I didn't think his work rate was great yesterday. If I'm perfectly honest. Um, there was a, multiple times when I'm stood there and he just gave up. It just felt a little bit like he just gave up. 
and he, he wasn't putting himself about a lot. And it, yeah, I, I wasn't in, entirely pleased. You know, I'm not that worried about the goals thing. You know, I know, I know there are people that are, but it's the other things that he does that are great. I just like to see a little bit more energy. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah, I do, and, and a lot of Palace fans are the same. Look, so I'm not going to dwell any more on this because it's it's something we'll, we'll definitely be coming back to, I'm sure. But I, what I have been doing of, of late is just watching some other strikers in the Premier League, um, particularly ones that are in similar positions. So, I mean, I really like the work rate and um, and sort of touch and skill of, of say, Rondon at, at West Brom. I think he's a, a very interesting player to lead the line. And I think if you added his work rate to Benteke, you'd have an incredible player. But, you know, look... Every player is different, and sometimes you have to also look at the way we're playing, you know. And, and the way we play under Roy, we, we've touched on it before. You know, Benteke is being used more as a foil to some degree, as than than as the man to to be getting on the end of everything. But there's little doubt he has missed an incredible amount of chances this season as well. Yeah. So there's a little bit in truth in everything. But I, I thought yesterday was a big step in the right direction, and it's interesting. A lot of Palace fans, like you know would go stronger than, than what you were saying earlier and would say he had an awful game. Um, but it's interesting to see the neutrals and, and our opponents all picking out him as a, as having a, a, a strong performance and giving the defence trouble all game. So that's I'll, I'll leave that there. We're going to do some very, very quick run through of some of the key incidents. Um, so, I mean, we, we I said this before, we were noticeably on the, on the front foot right from the start of the game. He had Townsend on a corner from the first attack and Luca. You know, floats the ball in straight to MacArthur. We did that with the with the corners all game. It was a, always someone seemed to spin around and be free towards the back post. And it was MacArthur early on, had two sort of bites of the cherry, but didn't quite score. Uh, ten minutes after that, we're playing direct Benteke, looking to pick up the second ball. Which, as Patrick was saying, a lot of the clearances from from Hennessy were based on that. Let's get the ball up there, even if Benteke doesn't win the header, which he invariably does. Let's try and pick up on that second ball because Huddersfield's midfield. You know they tend not to not to flood back. You don't they don't do that screening job. They they're, they're moving around quite a lot, and you saw that with uh, the foul that actually happened to Jeff Slup by Aaron Moy. He had to run back to tackle Slup, who'd, who'd got in onto the second ball. Yeah. Horrible challenge. Obviously injures Slup. Um, they had that free kick twenty yards out. Pretty close, Patrick, wasn't it? From Milivojevic, he can hit a free kick, and I noticed he was moaning about the wall being too close. Yeah, that was that was kind of funny. Um. I watched that back and I was, I just told myself he, if he just obviously maybe a foot, a foot and a half inside, he scores that. And, uh, you're right, Chris, we've seen him score great free kicks. I think he did one, uh, was it in that Asia tournament? He scored a free yeah, kick, I believe. Yeah. 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 Really one. And it, you can tell you, you can tell even last year was when he was on a free kick, he's decent. So he'll get one eventually. But yeah, uh, it was, it was close. And again, it was, um, you know, based on that again, you're right. Question Schlupp getting, getting kicked, kicked around by Moy. Did you we, see that, that story about sorry, sorry. Did you see that story about Luca, um, how he put that performance sick, yesterday and he's sick, he was yeah. physically exhausted. He'd been throwing up all night, apparently. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when you know, again, as soon as you know that, you go back and rewatch the game. You see how you see him like <laughs> yeah. heavy breathing, struggling the whole, the whole time. Uh, and it was one of his best performances of the season. He was absolutely brilliant. So many tackles. And that, you know, we talked about this, and I was going to bring it up a bit later, but now is as good a time as any. Um, when we've talked, we, we were talking about the lack of leadership and all that kind of stuff at the start of the season. Whenever anyone asked me, well, who should be captain then? And, and I always said Luca. And I honestly say this, like from his first interview, that, you know, to me, he was like, well, you know, he is, he's almost already the captain, you know, from last season. He was like, 
he's walked in, he's just got this, you know, determination about him. Um, and when you think about the fact that we lost someone like Mila Jednak, you can see that Luca has that, he has that steely determination. And when you, and this is an example of it. This is, you know, putting him, putting his body on the line, putting himself on the line to, to know that this game is so important that he can't miss it. doesn't matter. He's been throwing up all night. He's going to get out of there and he's going to get through it somehow. And, you know, it's not like he, we took him off when we we were cruising at 2-0. You know, he, he, he played the full game and you just got to love that. And, and what, what a player he is. Um, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a technical upgrade on, on Mina Jednak. Doesn't have the, obviously, the heading strength that he has, but... You know, I think he's he's far he's well he's Eddie's already a, a a palace hero. He's going to be a legend, isn't he? Yes. I think I think he is. Yeah, he's. I, I love him. I mean, I'd be interested to know what sort of distance he he covered yesterday. Um, but even being sick all night, I heard it like insisted on he will play. I bet he still covered you know, ten, eleven, twelve kilometers yesterday, and he was phenomenal. And there was one sort of block interception that when we were one nil up. Sort of just before half time, that was very vital. That just summed him up. Where I think they've got to the byline and pulled it back, and you can just see on the replay that he clocks the the runner from midfield is going to get there, and you just see him just bust the gut and throw himself in front of it to send out for a corner. Just sums him up. Absolutely, and it was him who, you know, won the ball in midfield. Um, you know, shortly after Schlapp had to go off and Kabai came in. And he plays in uh, Patrick van Arnholt, who, you know, we're talking about his better performance and his positional sense improving. But for some reason at this moment, and it worked out well for us, he was in central midfield. Um, <laughs> and he um, he gets the ball off of Luca, plays it left to Zaha, uh, who obviously, and there's a great photo of this. He's actually faced with about, you know, I was torn between saying three players and four. But if you actually pick the right moment from a photo that someone did when they put it on Twitter earlier on, it's actually six players that he's running towards uh, on his own. And he still manages to use his skill to to win a corner. And it's that corner that Luca floats into the box. And it's uh, it's Hogg who slips sort of to, as he goes to head it out. Uh, and that's the reason it gets through to James Tompkins. He has a, you know, again, shoots, great save from the keeper, but he's following up uh, to put us one nil ahead. And that gives us an opportunity to talk about James Tompkins and the performance he put in. So first of all, um, I'm going to start with you, Elliot. But first of all, so Tompkins has put in some phenomenal displays all season. Um, and in particular, over the difficult period we've just been in, the you know, the four games lost in a row, he has been the standout player pretty much. Some absolutely phenomenal clearances, last-ditch defending, a real leader in a, in a patched-up back four. Um, and... How, how well, you know, we were kind of laughing about it in midweek, Patrick, when um, when Nick was uh, on uh, Love Sport Radio talking about um, Tompkins as an England player. But Elliot, how can he not be going to Russia when he's a- capable of that? Crazy. Uh, crazy. The guy is, is a, he's a hero, is what he is. He is the... He is the mainstay, the middle block of the Great Wall of Croydon, is what he is. The foot, you know, with Van Arnholt, Sacco, Milivojevic, Tompkins, and Wambasaka, the guy is is absolutely brilliant. Um, I have no idea why he's not in the England squad. If I'm perfectly honest, well, Patrick, let's do this. <laughs> you were uh, you were kind of saying it's too early, almost for for. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I mean, listen, I'm not going to put him down because, like I just said before, he he and Sacco together are brilliant. 
uh, he and Kelly, he he helped you know make Kelly to me a better player, and he's been great this season. But if you look across the, the scheme of young England uh, centre halves, Gary Cahill not being one of them, Maguire being one, I don't think he's quite ready. I think his history of being injured is one of the things probably why he wasn't called up. We're not playing great, obviously, so that's another reason he wouldn't get called up. But I just think it's a little early. It's a shame because you know he's not a young player. And he has had a very good season. I mean, I could argue, people have been arguing on Twitter about player of the year. I still pick Wilf uh, because of our record without Wilf. But I mean, I think Tompkins is a close second. He's a most probably, quote-unquote, our most valuable player. But I think England in general right now, I think a couple of younger centre-halves, Michael Keane probably, you know, not having a great season. But I think he might get picked over him. And obviously, like I say, Harry Maguire. But I don't think he's, I think the timing just isn't right for him to plug go to the World Cup this year. No, I, I get the point, and it, you know it, it is a kind of late run at it. Um, I really do, but like Glenn Murray's late run. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that would be an incredible story, wouldn't it? If yeah, he, uh, exactly. If World Cup, but yeah. you know, I, I would say at the other end of the pitch, we're not exactly blessed with that many options. But um, <laughs> no, we're not. You know, it's weird. <laughs> I, I noticed it the other day. I, I looked at the England squad, and I was all ready to go. Oh my god, how are these players getting it? And then I sort of thought, well, who else? <laughs> 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 exactly. It's kind of just kind of drifted a little bit that England's good quality, isn't it? Um, maybe we did have a golden generation when we all laughed about it about five years ago, wherever it was. Uh, just a quick note: um, Steve Brimble got in touch on Facebook asking, "Do we know much about uh, the knock that Wilf got?" Um, we do. We do know it was just a combination of fatigue and being kicked all over the shop that he was fine. Apparently, he returned to the bench later on and gave Roy a thumbs up, and, and Hodgson said. You know, it's, it's it's fine. There's no, it's not an injury uh, as such. It's just you know, he was he was kicked just a one too many times and just had to little had to have a little break. So it'll be fine uh, in a couple of weeks when we go to Liverpool. I'm sure. Sorry, not go to Liverpool. We play Liverpool at home. Um, so there we go. Uh, sorry, I'm I'm yeah. This is professional of me. Bear with me a second. I keep putting things in the wrong position. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe. That when they realised they'd, they'd lost the game, they just went for Wilf, didn't they? They just went for him. Well, that's an interesting one. Did did is that is that what, how you saw it, Elliot? They, you know. Yeah, I just, I mean, they were they were terrible um, on that performance. I can't, I cannot see Huddersfield staying up. Um, I really can't. And and it just it just felt a little bit like once once we, once they went two 0 down, they just they they couldn't find their way back. They couldn't do anything. Every time they come forward down the left, Wambasaka just just had him had them in his pocket, you know. And they couldn't do anything against Wilf because he kept you know, he kept doing them. And the only way they could stop him was to kick him. And I think Hodgson said as much as well. Well, see, as you bring up, we got actually got an email from um, it says Fred Denver or maybe Fred from Denver. Don't know. Um, he said, how do you feel the performance was yesterday, especially from Zaha, despite being hacked by the entire Huddersfield team? Uh, we've talked about Wan Bissaka, about how, how strongly we we felt he played. But uh, I think Zaha's performance is an interesting one because for me, um, he had he had a strong influence on the game, despite you know being a little bit short of, of, of well, he was a fair way short of his top form. Definitely. But it's, it's amazing what he can do, you know, at 50%. Um, bring you in on this, Ed. Yeah, you know, was was that a fair comment? What I'm saying there, or do, do you feel, you know, well, I certainly think there's more to come from Wilf than what we saw, but he was still a, a massive influence, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, without a doubt. If you I mean if you watched, if that was the first time you've watched Palace or watched Wilf, you might think, yeah, he's had a decent game, but we know there is a lot more than that, more than that to come from him. Um, you know, if, 
it was influential in a few key moments, but it wasn't you know, by far from his best game for us this season. But I think partly coming back from an injury, he's just had 45 minutes at, you know, in the second half at Chelsea and then straight into start against Huddersfield and probably in the back of his mind, knowing that in the home game against him in the first day of the season, he got the crap kicked out of him. So he knows he's coming back off a you know, a knee knee ligament injury and he's likely to get the same sort of treatment will probably sort of play on your mind a little bit. But Yeah. yeah. I mean, I thought it was an interesting to see match of the day also uh, strongly highlighting the, the, the treatment he got. Oh, sorry, Patrick, you wanted to jump in there. Yeah, just jumping on what Elliot said. I think he's kind of right. We scored in the 68th minute and they they failed Wilf three times in the next 10 minutes. And every time they fouled him, the player got a, a yellow card. It was Hogg yeah. first, then Moy, then Schindler. So I think they did target it. When they were down, they just started taking a piss. And I kept yeah. putting up, and I kept putting our chat, just take him off, Roy, just take him off. I mean, I yeah. upset, we so. were all shouting the same thing in the stands. Everyone was shouting, just take him off, Roy. Ex- exactly. Yeah, I saw a lot of frustration on Twitter about that, you know, saying if he, if he is injured, you know, Roy's going to get a hell of a, hell of a battering from the fans for that. But, you know, it looks like it's... Um, you know, was, I felt it was it was quite a lethargic performance in places from him. I understand why. You know, there was times when I, in the past he would have like chased down the keeper or he would have chased after this, and he just didn't. It was like he was trying to save himself a bit. Yeah, and as, he should, and as as well he should be, particularly if you know fatigue is where you get injured as well. And so he's he's got a, he's got to work himself up to full match fitness. But I also lo- would like to think that you know as he matures, he'll be picking and choosing his moments a, a bit more about when he does does give his best because if you're still fresh going into the last few minutes you know Wilf can have a real influence there as he has done earlier on in the season uh, a couple of other bits yeah. of, of contact coming in but um, just to finish off with the first half before I get to those which was obviously you know we kind of once we went 1-0 up we saw Huddersfield have quite a lot of possession but you know they couldn't break through our defence which was one of the most pleasing aspects of of the game in general was that we really did restrict them to very, very little in terms of chances. And you kind of thought second half, they're going to come out and they're going to, they're going to be a bit of a different team. And, you know, the weather, the weather change, which you've experienced directly in your face, Elliot, which was the really, really heavy snow. Honest, honestly, Humbo, I'm, I'm not joking. I, I've had a, I had a season ticket for five, six years. I've been to countless away games. That is the worst conditions I have ever watched a football match in. My, <laughs> my little lad was, at, he was literally, he covered his entire face up apart from his eyes and he was just sat there like some kind of snowman shivering. The, the snow was horrific, but, you know, it was, the atmosphere was incredible. It did not dampen anyone's atmosphere. We just carried on singing. Uh, that's the way it has to be. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, they didn't, they didn't really sort of, they, they, caught a soul, they seemed to intend to get on the front foot, but they never quite managed it. Um, and we had the first big moment in the in the half with Wambasaka winning the ball on a sort of right hand side, exchanging passes with Townsend. Then he sends MacArthur free down the right. Lovely measured pass from MacArthur into the feet of Benteke, who I'd like to point out was pointing exactly where he wanted the ball, which was, you know, shows he was he was focused, he was ready, he was in the game. Uh, gets the ball in that position, cuts neatly inside the defender. Penalty! Uh, which Jorgensen. Absolutely <laughs> right. Grabs him, Patrick. Grabs him around the shoulder. Unfortunately, the thing that does him is the fact that Benteke is a big, strong lad. Yeah. And, and, and it's a quite a, an, it's quite a, a, an extensive push, pull on his shoulder. He's gone right across him to his shoulder on the far side and pulled him across. But because he's a big, strong lad, it's not enough to pull him to the floor. It's enough to 
upset his balance. And he's kind of like, well, if a sto- you know, you, you, we've talked about it before. If he stays on his feet, it's not right. going to give him. So he's got to go down. He's got to go down and, and, and take the foul. Uh, and Mike Dean, who, who I'm going to praise him because, you know, you mentioned earlier the, the yellow cards he was dishing out for the fouls on Zaha. You saw him talk to Wilf and say, yeah, I, "I know what's happening. I know what's happening. Yep. Keep calm, and, I, and I'll deal with it." That's you know, he, he protected him as best as he could, and he made some important decisions and got them right in that game. So praise to Mike Dean, but he's he's missed one there, hasn't he, Patrick? Oh, he definitely has. And uh, again, not a big Mike Dean fan. Not- fan of any referee but you're right Chris it's that whole quandary about penalties if you don't go down you don't get it if you go down theatrically you're called for for diving or etc so I almost said dove see I, I corrected myself um but um <laughs> it's it's amazing and I and I, again it was def to me it's definitely a penalty the only uh, you know thing is that at least we got the penalty later run for Townsend but again that's again that's Ben Tech again working hard doing his best he can't catch a break basically you know he was definitely pulled back and he's definitely a penalty kick. And I think any, any, most other strikers get that call for bigger clubs, but he just thought he's not getting that call for us. Absolutely right. And you kind of feared the worst, didn't you? Because we don't get that penalty the moments later. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, got a corner, it goes all the way through to Tompkins, gets another chance and it's cleared off the line. And as Palace fans, that's when we start to panic, really. But having said that, I never really got that, that sense of urgency about getting a second goal because of how little... Huddersfield were able to, to to sort of make inroads into our defence. The midfield was screening perfectly. The back four was solid. You know, Hennessy hadn't had a save to make, you know, going into probably 65, 70 minutes or so. Um, you know, they, they, they did sort of, they were pushing and, and we were playing on the counter, but we were winning it back at key times. And, it, you know, this is an example of what Zaha did. You know, he was chasing right the way back down the left-hand side, wins the ball eventually and, and knocks it to MacArthur. MacArthur sets him free down the middle. And then, like I said earlier, you've got that brilliant situation where you've got Zaha in the middle, running at pace with the ball, going past people, and they're afraid to tackle him. So it gives it gives Townsend that opportunity just to, you know, just to just run down the left, run into an area he's not really been playing in. Uh, great run, perfect pass. And Jorgensen knows before he's almost even made the challenge that it's a penalty. He slides and immediately he's got his head in his hands. There's no doubt about it. You know, great work from the whole team to win that penalty. Brilliant first touch from Townsend to get away and just draw the defender into the foul. And absolutely no doubt from Luca smashing it in for 2-0. And, you know, the game's won at that point. You know, we play, we do play it out. and There's a couple of really sort of tame shots. I'm laughing again because every time, every show, my iPad also corrects the word shots to something else. <laughs> Very similar. My phone too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. The Huddersfield were restricted for two tame shots <laughs> from distance. <laughs> oh dear. Um, you know, we had we had other chances. The one we mentioned earlier when Juan Basaka's shown a lovely bit of skill to get through and chip it and MacArthur just heads it before Benteke can and it's, you know, pretty close there. And Kabai was hitting shots like he's in his prime all of a sudden. It's brilliant. And, we, you know, we see out the game really, really well um, and just so, so pleasing um, to, to, to finish that off. And, I, you know, we talked about Wilf and display and, and the treatment he had. I was going to have a little chat about Townsend, about how he was linking in. And, you know, Ed, I, I've been a little critical of Townsend, but last few games, he's really, you know, again, he's not perhaps having... The influence in terms of direct assists and goals that I would like him to have, but that work rate, that 
you know, running himself into the ground really seems to have come back. Is that fair? You think you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. His work, he does put in a shift. His work rate is good. And I think that has helped. Uh, you know, we talked earlier about their sort of combination going forward in terms of Wambasaka and um, Townsend. But it must be nice for, you know, Wambasaka coming into the team as a sort of young player to have, you know, a winger in front of you who is prepared to do a bit of work and help you out yeah. defensively rather than, you know, you could, be hard enough for him to come in as it is, let alone if he had a winger in front of him that didn't want to track back and didn't want to put in a shift and was leaving him exposed. But, you know, Townsend will do that for the team and he, he, win, he breaks play up more than, for quite a lot for a winger. He wins the ball back for us in decent areas where we can then sort of spring from to, to start attacks. And, I mean, maybe a few more goals if he could chip in with that, you, you know, would be nice, but there was you know, stonewall penalty on him yesterday. You could see it. You could see it coming as soon as that Huddersfield player went to ground. It, it was going to happen, and yeah, that sort of killed yeah. the game off completely. Then, yeah, definitely. And I, I think you know, again, also to speak a little bit in Townsend's defence, it's been such an unsettled season, hasn't it? That it's very difficult, even if you're you're not one of those players who's been injured, is to have the sort of consistency of the players around you and to to know exactly what your role is week in and week out. It can be very disruptive not to have that that consistency. And I think a few players have struggled with that. And it's it's amazing, amazing the difference that um that we we've seen in just just a little bit of confidence and a few players back. Um and uh, just just to speak with regards to a, a comment that was made a second ago. Um no Elliot Patrick is right. We we do not discuss that particular that particular situation on air, even if it is positive. Are we going to be positive? No, we're okay. banned. We're banned. We've banned ourselves. Well, maybe at the end of the season we'll come. We'll, we'll, we'll revisit it. It just stresses Patrick out. We can't do it. Exactly. Okay. Okay. And I get all sorts of abuse as well. So a couple as, of little bits. As, of, as do I. Yeah, a couple of contact that's, that have come in, but. Before I get to those, because one of them's a, a good, really good question for all of us, and the other one's a, a nice bit I think I'm going to end the show with. But Patrick, uh, a very, very quick summary of uh, some stats you brought to our attention earlier on with regards to as much as we've been bemoaning our injuries and all that kind of stuff, and you know, and, and how how we've struggled. The stats kind of support a different story for us, really, don't they? Yeah. So I want to give credit, if you don't mind, Chris, is from a person named ben mayhew he does a lot of stats online he's at at experimental 361 on twitter and basically he's got some stats about uh for instance shots taken versus shots faced per match he puts it into four quadrants and the quadrants have different names and we and far as that's concerned uh we fall into the uh category of busy attack quiet defense and other teams in that category have to be other teams like man united arsenal chelsea tottenham liverpool man city um, which is an interesting thing that, you know, you think that we, we you know, we, we create a lot of chances. It's just that we don't put them away. Yeah, exactly. Um, a couple of other things. Are, he's got one called attacking if effectiveness. And he calls our, our quadrant is called energetically wasteful. So we're in the same quadrant teams like um, Southampton and Bournemouth. So we create chances. We just don't, you know, we just don't put them away. We're a very poor finished team. And that obviously goes back to Benteke scoring, obviously, two goals in 25 matches as being prime example. Um and just lastly, uh, defensive um, effectiveness. Um, we are in the quadrant with teams like Arsenal and Liverpool uh, avoiding issues. So we are basically a team that, you know, defends pretty well. It's just that, um, you know, we give up goals, obviously, at inopportune times and, you know, um, you know, just don't 
obviously uh, defend as well as the stats would lead us to think we'd be a better defensive team. Like when Sacco plays like yesterday, for instance, or we're a better, better team overall. So again, just, just overall, the stats say basically we should be, as Terrence said in our chat, we should be a top eight team, meaning, you know, seventh to tenth, and we're not. And, you know, you can go back to the injuries, you can go back to other things. But, you know, next season, if we had the same type of a squad, uh, less of the injuries, that we actually put our chances away, we actually could be like a Burnley cheer instead of being, you know, a Crystal Palace. So we'll see what happens next year. Yeah, I found them really, really interesting to to read through earlier. And it, and it is something that I, I've thought. It's kind of like there's been a lot of people this year being really frustrated with the, with the ownership, with the chairman. Yes. With, you know, and you kind of think, in reality, we ha- we actually do have a great a great squad. When when when, 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 when you're not yeah, dealing with twelve injuries, you know, and and I, I got caught up. It we all got caught up in it, and it's the idea like the idea in the transfer window. I, I mocked it a few weeks back. The idea that we could have successfully closed all of the gaps that we had. You know, it would have been nice to have closed some of them. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, right? But but the idea that you can. You can, when you're restricted to a squad of 25 plus young players, the idea that you can plan for every eventuality effectively, and that by not doing so, you've made some colossal error. <laughs> you know, when you actually take the emotion out of it, yeah. you know, you, we have been very unfair in general about how we've reacted as supporters. But having said that, that's that's a generalisation, and I always point this out at games. You know, we're not we're not one of those clubs where. We get on the, the players' back, and we get on the management's back. We're not that. We're not those those people, and you know we should obviously take some credit from that as well. Uh, so, a question for you all. Um, I'm going to ask Elliot, and then Ed, and then Patrick in that order. Well, just have your just have your views. It's from Sam and Tansy. Uh, thanks, guys, for getting in touch via our live player page. Do you guys think that if we stay up, that a back six of Gaeta, assuming that transfer goes through, by the way, Wan Bissaka, Tompkins, Sacco, PVA, uh, and, and this is Anne Luca, but I assume that, yeah, as, as the sort of defensive midfielder, will be a bedrock for us doing really well with the really in capitals. Uh, keep it up, guys. Listen every week. Eagles, thank you very much, uh, Sam and Tansy. Uh, much appreciate your, your comments there. Uh, and as really in keeping with what Patrick and I were just discussing. So, Elliot, you know, with that, that's solid, but you know, certainly the players that were mentioned there. Should our expectations, should we allow them to rise again? Um, well, going by Patrick's stats, um, I think if we can keep them fit, certainly. I think we can, well, we should really be looking for top half, um, I say, as long as we can stay fit. And, it, you know, if we can just, just keep this team, just stop the injuries... I think there's a lot of positivity. There's a lot of things to look forward to next season. Um, I don't see why not. Definitely. Ed, much work to do, or you know, you, you with Elliot on this? Uh, I'm with Elliot on it. I mean, again, like Elliot said, it's keeping them fit, isn't it? I'd like to think that we won't. I mean, if we get the same sort of, if we call it luck or bad luck that we've had this year, then potentially, you know, is it our training or the medical department not doing the same right because? You know, if we have another season like this in terms of injuries, then it's horrendously unfortunate. But if we, yeah, if you can keep that defensive six, back six, whatever you want to call it, fit, then I, I mean, I don't think there's a better goalie back four and you know, defensive centre midfielder outside of the top six than than that, to be honest. So 
keeping them fit with the other, you know, people like Wilf hanging on to him and Townsend around them, then there's no reason whatsoever that we shouldn't break the top 10. Yeah, I mean, that's the big one uh, when we come to the summer. Everyone will be petrified of losing Wilf again. And I'm, yeah, that'd be, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? Worrying about that all year. But let's, uh, <laughs> let's wait till we. Fortunate thing with Wilf, I mean, Ivory Coast didn't qualify for the World Cup, did they? Yeah. So, I mean, if he'd have gone to the World Cup and set it alight and torn teams in the World Cup apart, then we would really be in trouble in terms of keeping him. But actually, the, the World Cup will be a few players that will. Yeah, Wilf will sort of fly under the radar. Great point. We'll yeah. Make it to the end of the transfer window, and there'll be a few other new stars that uh, are the hot, hottest property on the market from the World Cup, and Wilf will sort of get forgotten about by Tottenham. Well, and the I, I like your thinking. I really, I really do like your thinking, Ed. I think it's a bit wishful, but, <laughs> but I do like it. Um, but as long as it's only Spurs bidding for him, they'll never pay enough for us to say yes. So I'm all right. Um, <laughs> So yeah. just a quick round the table, Patrick. You've uh, you've brought your thing that you were going to bring up. Uh, Ed, anything for you to add before we end? Uh, no, nothing from me. All right, and uh, last bit of any other business. <laughs> I'd always do this in the show now. Like I've been, <laughs> been managing people for too long. Any any other business for you? Um, just to say that um, I don't know if you caught you caught on, but the the song, the Wan Bissaka song that everyone started singing, is brilliant. Absolutely yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's to the tune of Rock the Casbah, isn't it? I'm yeah, not, not going to sing it. Wambisaka, Wambisaka. I love it's it. It's your wingers don't like him. Yeah, yeah. That's but it. I think there's a. I saw a discussion that there might be a follow-up after that. You sing it in a cycle where you say your, wing, your wingers aren't like him. Uh, Wilfred Zaha, Wilfred Zaha as well. <laughs> oh, and you get that awesome. in a little cycle. So that sounds really good. Got to happen. But, um, yeah, Got to great. Happen. Yeah, yes. great to see Bissaka getting his own chart very, very early on. Needs it, absolute <laughs> hero. <laughs> All right, well, that's it. I just want to end with one last little bit of positivity as an email we got earlier on from Neville Gromer. Uh, this is the part I'm becoming, I'm becoming to, be, to like most of every Palace season. After some dismal showing, we always seem to sort it out for the run-in, and I can feel again last year's spirit and enthusiasm. Be loud, be proud, be Palace. Love it. Well done, Neville. Bit of positivity to end with there. So I will let you go. But first and foremost, uh, point you in the direction on Thursday night, live, Love Sport Radio. It's supposed to be Nick and DR this week. I might change that. I'm scared by that combination. We'll see see what happens. Uh, But, uh, yeah, Homestay Radio will be live on Love Sport Radio. Always fun. Join us for that. Um, That You can listen online via DAB in London and also on 558am. I remembered and get in contact with the with the guys over there as well. They're doing their full launch tomorrow. Of their, they've been on soft launch, whatever that might be. Uh, but up until tomorrow, I think they're doing their full launch. So get involved. Um, it's going to grow in popularity. We're really enjoying being part of it as well. Of course, Terence will be recording the preview show, but probably not until next week because it's a was an international break. Uh, but do obviously subscribe in all the usual places. Uh, I doubt we'll be doing our show next week with an international break. We like to have a bit of time off. So we will return to review the Liverpool game, which we you know, obviously obviously going to be a win now. Now we've got all our players back. Going to yeah. smash them. Salah's My thanks to... No. So Salah's got no chance. <laughs> Salah's got no chance, yeah. Yeah, slightly worried about him, but let's not get into that right now. <laughs> My thanks go to Elliot for joining us randomly. Thanks, Elliot. Cheers. Back to your whip it racing and flat caps now, mate. Easy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> cheers to cheers to Ed. Thank you to Patrick. 
Uh, Mikey, thank you for producing whilst you're ill. Much appreciated, mate. Cheers all for listening. We'll see you soon. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.